Well, kia ora, and um, welcome to a podcast for the Kaka Project. I'm Bernard Hickey with the Kaka's with the Kaka's climate change correspondent, Catherine Dyer. Catherine, how are you? I'm good. Um, it, most weeks we we get a, a a wrap of news about climate change uh, from you, which we put together, and um, this week we've taken a look at some new research out of Auckland University on microplastics and put that into the context of of how transport has changed around Auckland in particular and and how that's affecting the environment around us. And also um, looked at the the combination, if you like, of um, climate change, biodiversity, and uh, uh, those environmental issues in a broader sense. Um, Firstly, can you tell us a bit more about this research from the University of Auckland on microplastics? Yeah, it was a really interesting piece of research where they looked at um, a series of beaches in Auckland, so right from Herne Bay through to St Heliers um, Beach. They looked at um, both the water and um, and sediments in the in the beaches themselves, and fa- found something like fifty times more plastic pollution in those um, samples than have previously been found in other studies at other beaches in Aotearoa. And this is probably partly to do, to do with the fact that they were using um, a new methodology that was able to detect smaller particles in some of the previous studies, but also just that there's a, a lot more of that pollution there than what you know people previously expected. So what's what's bad about microplastics? Because um, sometimes you see little bits of plastic on in the sand, um, and obviously there's a lot of things that are even smaller than that. But you know, as long as they don't eat the sand, it should be okay, right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of what what is there you won't actually see at all because it's it's smaller than what you can see. Um, so microplastics are, of course, plastics come from fossil fuels um, and they contain a lot of chemicals that particularly when the surface area of the particle is bigger, so when you get to the smaller particles that happens, um, it leaches stuff into the environment, which are in, in particular things like endocrine disruptors, which have... Um, you know, and and those what what the chemicals that leach out have all sorts of health implications, both for people and for um, wildlife and uh, the full sort of marine environment where they were finding them. So, how do these microplastics get into the sea and the sand and beaches and ocean? Yeah, well, I, I mean, most of us are familiar with plastic packaging that we try to recycle. What we may be less familiar with is the fact that the the majority of the microplastics that they actually found in these locations in these locations came from um, polyester or, or clothing, um, synthetic clothing. So, um, so a lot of a lot of um, clothes that we wear are not made from natural fibres, and when you wash them, um, these tiny bits of microplastics come off, and and that goes into stormwater drains and out to sea. Also, they come; um, they arrive on beaches because of people swimming. So it just comes off swimwear, for instance. So some of that ends up there as well. And the other one that was interesting I found was um, they found quite a bit of tire dust, particularly around stormwater outlet pipes. Um, 
and that will be washing off roads. It comes from tyres on on um, vehicles, um, goes into the stormwater drains, and then gets flushed straight out into um, out to sea. And one of the big changes we've seen around our cities in the last um, twenty years is an increasing, increasingly heavy, and an increasing incidence of uh, SUVs and double cab utes. Um, that most um, parts of the last decade, double cab utes and SUVs have made up eight of the top 10 uh, new cars sold. And um, there's been a clear trend of an increasing weight of these uh, vehicles. Firstly, they're petrol and diesel powered ones, but now more recently, the electric ones. And how does that affect you know, the uh, amount of this tyre dust that gets shed? Yeah, well, that's the thing. You're finding not a, not only do we have a lot more vet vehicles in general terms, so our roads are a lot busier, but those vehicles are a lot heavier, um, I, either because they're just bigger vehicles or because they have big electric batteries in them which have made them heavier as well, and that leads to much more tyre dust. Um, and some studies overseas in the open ocean, for instance, has, have found that as much as 78% of the microplastics in the open ocean um, are attributable to tyre dust. So it's a significant source of pollution. Um, it's not even just in the marine environment. That tyre dust ends up in the air where you breathe it in. Um, and so that's a real hazard for um, particularly for young people, for children living near main roads and so on. So it, it has significant health implications and it's really um, quite under-researched and not well understood at this point. Because, you know, every time someone buys an SUV, particularly if it's a, or a double cab ute, particularly if it's a petrol or diesel ones, not only are you um, uh, sending carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and quite a lot of it, um, you're also um, using fossil fuels in the um, uh, the rubber, and because it's so heavy, we forget about the the road surfaces, which are made with tar seal, which is itself coming from fossil fuels. Yeah, I mean, there was one study that found that um, the amount of emissions coming off tires is as much as two thousand times the amount of emissions coming through the exhaust in modern vehicles. Um, so we've sort of been solving for the exhaust issue of CO two coming out the exhaust pipe, and ignoring the issue with tyres. And so that may now be a much worse problem for us. And of course, if you um, think you're solving your climate problems by swapping electric and pet, uh, swapping petrol and diesel for electric. Um, you may not be solving quite so much of the problem as you think because of the very heavy weight of a lot of these electric vehicles, which are still, you know, churning out the rubber dust and churning up the tarsial roads. Yeah, and one of the points that I wanted to make with this is that when you go to solve environmental problems, if you just focus very narrowly on one issue like climate change, you, you have a big risk of making other issues that it, that are also important for humanity a lot worse. So you could you could solve climate change and then make um, degrade biodiversity so much that you end us anyway. You know, in this case, we're talking about um, what in the planetary boundaries framework is referred to as novel entities in the environment, and that refers to 
um, different pollutants and microplastics is one of the is the one that they mostly measure, um, and that already exceeds planetary boundaries. So it has significant um, implications for the stability of the Earth system overall. So you know you can solve one problem and, and just make something else the one that's most likely to get us. Um, so you know you you have to take a, a much broader um, systems level perspective on how do you go about solving overall the, these environmental issues. Mm. And one of the other implications of uh, all of this uh, microplastic production that comes out of the fossil fuel, you know, um, industrial complex, um, not only the uh, petrol and diesel and the um, tar seal and the rubber, but um, you've cited a study in the, your um, rap this week talking about how um, these microplastics seem to be affecting sperm counts and um, may be one of the factors that starts to reduce uh, fertility rates. Yeah, there's been a bit of research over the years about declining um, fertility and declining sperm counts across populations. And up until now, um, you know, there's we've seen that happening. In fact, sperm counts dropped by half between kind of like the 1970s and 2018. Um, so that that's a lot. But because we, you know... Um, the, our reproductive systems are built a bit like Victorian bridges in the sense that uh, they're overbuilt and you can reduce by half fertility rates and not have an impact on population levels. But there's some researchers that are saying, you know, actually this may be starting to become a real problem. You know, there is going to be a threshold at some point where if you go beyond that threshold, this is going to have real implications. Now, up until now, population declines have, have been all about, um, you know, whether, uh, have been about choices people make about whether or not to have children. So where women have access to more education and to fertility control, if they're able to control their own fertility, they simply choose to have fewer children. And that's been the thing that's been driving um, reproduction rates down. Um, and also that decision to wait longer to have children, for instance. Um, so so far, that's the thing that's that has that has a long term impact on projected population numbers. What we don't know is exactly where that threshold is in fertility and whether that's going to start to have an impact down the line. Um, and there are definitely some researchers that are getting quite worried about that. Mm. One of the the biggest product launches in in the automotive world in the last. Um, couple of months has been the long-awaited uh, Cybertruck from Elon Musk's Tesla. Elon Musk seems um, uh, personally dedicated to increasing the world's population and seems, yeah. quite, um, seems quite preoccupied with the whole issue of uh, fertility collapse. But the Cybertruck, these very heavy uh, electric vehicles that are, that are going around churning off this rubber dust may actually be one of the reasons for uh, a fall in fertility. Is that right? Yeah, this is where it all gets quite deeply ironic. Um, you know, Elon Musk is so worried about um, fertility rates. Maybe he knows something about the tyre the dust coming off his electric vehicles that has made him that worried about it. <laughs> but in that case, you know, rather than trying to figure out how to colonise Mars, he might want to try to figure out how to either fix the issue with tyres or, or, 
you know, maybe think about a different career path. Um, yes, uh, we enjoy giving advice to Elon Musk. Um, <laughs> he, he's um, uh, doing his, his bit for the planet in various ways. Catherine, thank you very much for um, chatting through that issue. It's something I've I've been thinking about for a long time, this, this change in the automotive landscape of Auckland, our biggest city. It's become more SUV and double cab ute heavy and uh, uh, simply having these heavier vehicles, it just hadn't occurred to me that it would mean heavier tyre use, heavier um, uh, damage to tarsil and to, and to roads and, and in a way that not only do we have to think about the fossil fuels burnt, but the plastics used not just in cars, but in clothes. Um, if you can reduce th- both of them, you, you also improve the environmental um, uh, outcomes. Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning the, the importance of mode shifting. So, you know, try solving these issues it is much more likely to happen if we are focused on a mode shift in transport to, you know, active um, modes of transport and to public transport. And that's exactly, um, we're running in exactly the opposite direction to that at the moment with current policies that are coming out. That's right. Uh, Catherine Dyer, who's our um, uh, climate correspondent for the Kaka, thank you very much. Thank you.